Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Saints Church Podcast. My name is Dave, and today we have a message from Pastor Jeremy Wolfram found in Luke chapter 10 on who is our neighbor. Hey, Saints Church, so good to be with you online today. Hey, whether you're a visitor, you're new, you're at one of our locations, and I'm catching you today, I just want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to dive into a story right away, and uh, we're so glad that you're here. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 29 says this. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. So an expert in the religious law, here we got a young lawyer. It says, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? And how do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus this question, and who is my neighbor? That's the title today, who is my neighbor? Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that your word's powerful, it's alive, it's living, it's active, and it speaks to our hearts every time we open it. So I pray that you would speak to us through your word today, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, we got this interesting situation that's happening here in Luke chapter 10. We have this young lawyer comes to Jesus. Uh, He's trying to test him. He's asking these questions. Now, it doesn't really give us the context of whether he is sincere or he's trying to trick Jesus or he genuinely wants to know. Um, He comes at him with this question of what must I do to inherit eternal life? How am I saved? And he he comes up with these answers uh, because Jesus says, well, what does the law of Moses say and how do you read it? And this is very important uh, because you can know the law of God, you can know the truth of the word of God, uh, but how you read it and how you interpret it um, and the heart and purpose behind it can be missed. And and he says this, he says, well, I'm supposed to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, uh, and and I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. I'm not going to forget the both end. And this is true. All of God's laws are really summed up in this loving God and loving our neighbor. Uh, And Jesus says, you're right. If you do these things, you'll live. And I think the guy asked this third question, this other question to Jesus, because he knows deep down inside of his heart, like we all know, in the best of times, in the best of days, if we're going to love God with everything we have, heart, mind, soul, strength, and love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we all know that we truly fall short in some area, in one area or another. And, And so he Ask Jesus this question because the Bible says this. It says he wanted to justify himself. He said, well, then who is my neighbor? Now, justification is a funny thing. Justification becomes this uh, opportunity for us to say, well, I know what I should be doing or what's right to do or what's a better decision, but I deserve something. Or perhaps um, I'm going to give myself some grace in an area, or I'm going to let something slide. Like, for instance, you know, you go and you do a workout, and because you ran for 10 minutes, uh, you think, maybe I deserve a cheeseburger and a milkshake now. You justify it by one thing for the other. Uh, Sometimes we do this with, uh, you know, our families, our spouses. This is not a good idea, but it's like, oh, your spouse went out and spent $500 on new clothes, new gadgets, things like that. So I guess I can justify going out and spending another $500. Well, 
uh, don't do that because it's not going to help your marriage. It's not going to help your relationship. Um, you know, now you've just spent a whole lot of money, but we, we all do this in some area or another in our lives. And, and this justification thing is really the condition of our human heart. And so even when we know that God has called us to love him and to love others, we really want to know, God, well, what's the limits and what's the parameters? So when it comes to loving my neighbor myself, like, who are you really talking about? And so Jesus responds to this man with a story. He doesn't respond to him with this big theological thing. He responds to him with a story. Jesus doesn't say, everyone's your neighbor, this person's your neighbor, that person's your neighbor. He comes to the man with a story, and Luke chapter 10, verse 30 to 37 reads like this. So Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, left him half dead beside the road. And by chance, a priest came along, or a pastor. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by. And then a temple assistant, or maybe the youth pastor, walked over and looked at him lying there, and he also passed by on the other side. Going over, uh, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. So then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. I find it very interesting that Jesus starts telling this story because he, he gets into a life situation. He gets into the heart of the matter. And um, <clears throat> when we look at this story of the Good Samaritan, we've heard that phrase before. Uh, whether you've been around church or not, we, we use the phrase in our culture, oh, well, they're just being a Good Samaritan. They're, they're helping. They're being there for someone. Well, you have to remember in this day and in this time, the Samaritans were despised. There was uh, a cultural backlash. There was a, a racist undertone. There was a lot of things going on between the Jews and the Samaritans and the Gentiles and all these things. And Jesus is trying to show that he's working in the midst of all of that, he wants to bring reconciliation. And he tells a story about this journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. And why this is important is because this story isn't like some wild, far-fetched thing that maybe happened one time that you heard about on Instagram. No, this was a, a regular possible occurrence. You see, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was a winding road that had a descent of about 3,000 feet. So you're going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and in this road over 27 kilometers, you were twisting and winding up and down through the hills and mountains and rocks, and you were going down to Jericho. And the trick of this was that because of the type of journey it was, 3,000-foot descent over 27 kilometers, twisting, winding road, that you... um, could never see what was coming behind the next bend or turn 
or, or whatever. And, and so it made it an actual very dangerous thing. So, you know, they, they could have had to make the trip quick because you wanted to do it in daylight. You didn't know who was hiding. Um, if somebody attacked you, you didn't know that you would be seen because um, just the, the sight lines weren't there and all that sort of thing. And so it was a dangerous journey. And, and so this happened. This man got attacked by bandits. He got beaten up. This has probably happened before. It's probably a similar story. They knew about this journey. And Jesus relates to this man a real-life situation. And what I want you to know today is this. When Jesus defines a neighbor, he doesn't do it by a theological definition, but rather in a real-life situation. Jesus doesn't come back at this young lawyer with this big theological legal answer of obligation and what you should and shouldn't do. He actually takes a life situation to bring it close to the man's heart, to his reality. And in this situation, we find a man beaten, robbed, and dying. And here we have this story that unfolds incredibly where a priest comes by. A pastor comes by. Surely he would help because it's his job. The temple assistant or the youth pastor, like, you know, they come by and surely he would help. Well, no, maybe he just learned from the leader that went before him and didn't know the right thing to do. I don't know. Maybe they were fearful. Maybe because of the journey, maybe because of the descent, maybe they thought if I stop and help, the bandits are still close and they will do the same to me. Maybe uh, I won't make it back to where I need to be before dark. Maybe I'm opening myself up to all of these things. But nope, they, they create some distance and, and they don't help the man for whatever reason and they find a way around the situation and to the other side of the road. And I want us to understand that in our hearts and in our humanness, the best response isn't always natural or the right response. Sometimes we respond to things that maybe we know we should or shouldn't do, but for whatever reason, there's all these things going on in the back of our mind and we move past and we move forward. Perhaps they thought they were off the clock. Perhaps they were worried about the cost. There was a cost to helping this man. Perhaps they're worried about their reputation. Perhaps they were fearful of the things that were going down and that they couldn't stop or slow down. But no matter what the situation was or what their justification was, what Jesus is trying to point out is this man didn't need just a pastor or a temple or what he really needed was a neighbor. He needed someone who would be there. And so we find this guy uh, broken, beaten, laying on the side of the road, and Jesus is showing this young lawyer, and he's showing us that a neighbor is more than a title, someone who should do something, these obligations that we all look at. A neighbor shows up in a real-life situation. But I also want us to know that Jesus is not leaning into what I would call religious leader bashing, okay? Uh, sometimes we look at these things like, surely, like, man, that pastor should have helped. That's his job. That temple decision should help. Like, it, they, they should know better. And, and we want to we point out all of these things, but Jesus isn't doing that in this story. He's not getting into a, a position of religious leader bashing. He's actually trying to get everybody who hears this and listens to the story to lean into a personal heart check. Jesus is always about heart check. And I want us to understand that all of our issues, our hangups, our disconcern for others will always be a heart issue. 
Whether we're worried about us, whether we're worried about how it'll make us look, whether we're worried about the time, the cost, whatever, when we have opportunities to step into situations to help others, to move, to be a good neighbor, uh, the, the issues that hold us back are always a heart issue. That's why the young lawyer says, well, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And it just goes to show, I have a heart issue with some people, so I want you to give me clearer parameters because I want to be able to use my justifications when I struggle in my own heart. And so a Samaritan shows up. Oh, my goodness. Someone who, like, we don't even like. Someone that the, 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 the religious leaders, Jewish people were like, man, like they were second rate. Like he shows up in the story and they're like, seriously, for sure, same thing's gonna happen, pass by the other side of the road. And yet this becomes the person who bends down, helps out and helps us answer the question of who is my neighbor because just like in Jesus' time, every single one of us have a temp a temptation and a tendency to limit our neighborly concern to our tribe, class, race, social circle, and even our relational preferences of likes or dislikes. And we pick and choose neighbors based on those things. Isn't it interesting? We all have heart issues. We all have justifications. Yet Jesus wants us to learn mercy and to go and do the same. So Jesus wasn't into religious leader bashing. He's actually calling us into a place of heart check. So he takes this real life situation and he then pulls us into a a gripping story where he asks about our hearts. But the last thing I also want you to understand today is that as we lean into this question of who is my neighbor, Jesus isn't looking for an impossible standard, but rather he's offering us an invitation to see our need for grace. This this young lawyer, this religious law expert, what he's doing is looking for a standard, a way, a, a path forward on finding eternal life, and and it's this law. It's love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. It's love your neighbor as yourself, and that's law. And guess what? We all fail at that sometimes. We all miss the mark. We all sin in regards to the law because there's this impossible standard that you know, Jesus even said, well, if you do all those things, you live. But we know deep down in our heart of hearts, we, we miss the mark sometimes. We, we can't quite get there. And so we try to justify and we get into these questions like, well, who is my neighbor? Where, where am I responsible to do these things? And whether this question of this young guy comes out of an attempt to justify or not of who is my neighbor, it's an important one because when we answer it, everything changes and we begin to see where we fit in the story. You see, I think sometimes we go around and we look for, God, what am I responsible for? Who am I responsible to? Who's my neighbor? What are you calling me to do? And Jesus walks this guy through this life situation, this story of the Good Samaritan. And then he asks the guy, well, who was a neighbor to the man in the story? Well, the one who showed mercy, he said. 
And when we begin to answer the question, who is my neighbor, we begin to actually see where we fit in the story. Now, when we look at the Bible, a lot of times we look at the heroes of the story. We look at the good things they do. We look at all these uh, triumphs. Like, and, and if I'm being honest with you, we want to be the good Samaritan. But can I tell you, like, you're not. I'm not. When Jesus is telling this story, like, we try to be the good Samaritan, but that's not who we are in this story. And then we're like, well, am I the priest? Am I the Levi? Am I that cold-hearted? I don't think I am, and I, I, I hope I'm better than that. No, no. When we begin to understand where we fit in this story, we begin to see grace and Jesus and our responsibility to others in a whole different light. Because if we truly look at this story, we're the man laying on the road, broken, beaten, left for dead, and Jesus walks in as the good Samaritan, picks us up, binds our wounds, takes us to a place where we can find healing and wholeness. And when you start looking at life from that perspective, and we begin to realize that I needed the grace of Jesus, the neighborly mercy of Jesus. It begins to change how we see other people. See, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5 says this, You were once dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. But God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it's only by God's grace that you have been saved. You see, in our lives and in our humanness, and when we go to the place where we start checking our hearts, this is us. Dead, broken, beaten, left for dead, laying on the side of the road, unable to make something of our own. And the law and the religious uh, nature and, and the requirements have no mercy or compassion on us. Yet, Jesus comes. Jesus comes and he binds our wounds. He pays the price. He extends grace to us because Jesus was willing to get beside us. And when we begin to understand that, we might actually begin to start asking the question, who is my neighbor out of a context of being willing to get down beside other people? Why? Because I truly believe this with all my heart. How we see ourselves plus how we see God will always equal how we see others. If you see yourself as a good person <clears throat> doing great things, and man, God is just so happy that you decided to serve him and, 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 and God's an accessory in your life, you won't see a need to reach out to others. You find yourself in a place of like, man, I mean, they should just make better choices. They should be good like me. And man, God's so proud of me. And, and there, there's a whole lot of like outlandish context and all that. But I think when we get back to the place where we begin to realize and see that we were dead, we were lost, we were broken, we were left by ourselves, nothing could save us. We couldn't do it on our own. We couldn't 
experience the grace that we've experienced in Jesus without Jesus. And so when we see Jesus as the neighbor that we needed, who bound our wounds, who brought us to a place of healing and wholeness, even though nothing else showed grace or mercy to us, when we see ourselves in the right place and see Jesus in the right place, we begin to see others that are broken, lost, left for dead. But guess what? There is a God who loves them. There is a God who will get beside them. There is a neighbor, a friend that sticks closer than a brother who wants to move in their life, and we get to be a part of that to show mercy to others. And when we know this, I believe that God's gonna call us as a church and as a people to do a few things. And as we close, I just wanna leave you with with a few things that I really believe that God wants to call us to so we can be good neighbors, so we can be who he's called us to be. And the first thing that we need to do is we need to let our fear be overshadowed by God's heart for people. Fear is a real thing. Fear holds us back. Our insecurities hold us back. Our, our timidness, our shyness, all those things. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, uh, uh, you should just get over it and just, no, no, no. What I'm saying is you need to let the love of God and his grace in your life be so overwhelming and overshadowing that those fears and those insecurities take a back seat because then we actually say, well, if the love of God could change me, truly it could change others. Because when we reach out to other people, we might get hurt. It might cost us something. They might look at us and think we're weird, but I hope we understand that if we can get out of our own way and let the love of God well up with inside of us, that we would be those that are able to go and show mercy and the grace of love of Jesus to others without our fears and insecurities stopping us. In reference to the Good Samaritan, Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He says, I imagine the question the priest and the Levite asked was, what will happen to me? And I think that's what we all do. We ask, like, well, God, if I stop and help that person or if I put myself out on a limb, what will happen to me? But by the very nature of his concern, the Good Samaritan reversed the question and asked, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen? happen to him. That's the grace and mercy of God towards our fellow man, towards our friends, our family, our community. It's not asking God, well, what'll happen to me? No, it's God, what will happen to them if I don't show them the same grace and mercy and love that you've shown me? And I believe that God is calling us to let our fears be overshadowed by his heart for people. Uh, I believe he's also calling us to do a second thing, which is to lean into the unenforceable. Now, there's this thing called forcible law, and then there's unenforceable. And, and what I mean by this is uh, a forcible law says things like this, okay? So I'm a dad. I got three kids at home. Um, and, and forcible law says I need to provide for them shelter. Um, I should feed them. Um, I should get them an education, send them to school. Um, there are certain things that as a parent you need to do um, and, and, and to support them. That's the forcible law. 
But see, the unenforceable loss is that I actually get up in the morning and I ask how my kids are doing or after school I ask how their day was and I speak life into them and I, and I speak grace into them and I lead them and I show them how to live life and become who they're called to be. You see, there is the bare minimum and then there is the call of a father or a dad to do the things that help them become everything that they can be. And I think when we look at others, there is the forcible law, yeah, we should be nice to people uh, like the Ten Commandments. We shouldn't kill them. We we shouldn't, uh, you know, steal. We shouldn't do those things. But, you know, that's forcible law. But what about the unenforceable? Nobody's forcing you to encourage someone. Nobody's forcing you to get down beside them and help them when no one require it. No one's forcing you to be a good person and do the right thing just because it's the right thing when nobody sees. And when we lean into the unenforceable and we begin to love people because it's the grace of God in us towards them, everything changes. See, I believe that we'll make many people our neighbor when we lean into grace and into the unforceable. And the last thing I think that God's calling us to do in all of this is if we let our hearts be overshadowed by his heart for people, if we lean into the unenforceable, I think we really need to learn, number three, to let grace lead. Luke chapter 10, verse 30 to 37 says this, now which of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. We can't go and do the same like Jesus in our own strength because we're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus, you're not Jesus. But we can become more like Jesus when we understand the grace of God, the love of God, and we are led by the Holy Spirit. It is grace and grace alone through the power of the Holy Spirit that will allow us to go and do the same, to be a good neighbor, to, to lean into the relationships God calls us to so we can show mercy and we can show them that God has been merciful to us and we are gonna let God reflect through us the mercy and grace he wants other people to see. We need to learn to let grace lead because grace doesn't ask, who is my neighbor? But grace asks, who can I go and be a neighbor to? Well, as always, thank you for tuning in to the Saints Church Podcast. We hope that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can head to saintschurch.ca and there you'll find more information about service times and church locations as well as more online content. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.